Hi friends, welcome to the Dance Principles United podcast. Today's podcast with Morgan Randall, we had a couple of slight technical issues um, with the sound. However, it was such a great podcast, I didn't want to cut anything. So please bear with us through those couple of little bits because I know you'll get so much value out of the amazing things that Morgan's saying. Anyway, on to the podcast. Hello friends, I'm Amanda Barr. And I'm Rebecca Lou Brennan and welcome to Dance Principles United, the podcast. Together, we are passionate about helping studio owners with the business of running their studio. Join us as we talk everything from marketing systems, studio culture, motherhood, life and everything in between. This is the Dance Principles United podcast. And welcome to today's Dance Principles United podcast. Just me, Amanda, by myself today, but I am joined by the amazing Morgan Randall from Monsters of Dance um, in French's Forest, Sydney. So excited to have you. Hi. So excited to be here. Very Woo-hoo. key. Woohoo. <laughs> I'm pumped. So I've been um, working with Morgan for um, a bit over two years now and been so privileged to see her incredible growth over that time. Um, <laughs> it has been amazing. She has grown and just hit her incredible figure of 500 students that she's been aiming for for such a long time. Um, we started working <laughs> together. I think you only had about 130. Is that right? About two years ago? Yeah, it was. We'd just gone into lockdown. Yes. So we'd had a drop. So mm. it was a bit higher than that. But then, yeah, when, when we started working together, 130. Yeah, that's incredible. And yes, obviously, we've had extra lockdowns on top of that and all those uh-huh. fun things. But a huge amount of growth in like a two-year period, which is incredible. So we wanted to talk about that. Do you want to tell us a little bit about um, your journey to become a studio owner and um, how Mm -hmm. that happened for you? For sure. I um, started dancing when I was nine, which is like quite late, I guess. So I felt like that at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was like six months in that I like was looking around my studio that I danced at. Um, on the northern beaches and was like yeah this is amazing I want to do this one day so even when I was so little um, being like the studio owner or the principal as we called it back then was um, really attractive to me Um, and then yeah I just kept dancing through my teenage years did a full-time course toyed with the idea of like giving the whole professional dancing scene a crack and then just slipped into teaching and fell in love with teaching and the process of teaching classes and working with kids and seeing their improvement. Um, Yeah, fell in love with that and then just focused on teaching. Um, So that was when I was like 17, started teaching. And then when I was 25, took the leap, the very scary leap Mm. of starting a studio um, in a community centre. Very lucky to have found um, a half-decent community (laughs) centre in Beacon Hill. Yep. Yep, yep, just a couple of days a week. Um, And, yeah, that's sort of where the whole Monsters journey started when I was 25 in 2017. Incredible. And so you did a community hall and then when did you move into your own premises? It was about 18 months after Mm. that. And I've I've just 
put my eyes on the date right now and tomorrow is exactly five years since I opened the doors of Monsters. Oh, <laughs> exciting. Congratulations. Yeah, the, the 24th years. of June. Yeah. Five years and 500 students. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah, very, so wait, you open the door to your actual physical own premises sorry, or to the community no, the, the Beacon Hill Community Centre, yeah. Even and then 18 that. months after that, we um, found the French's Forest premises probably a bit earlier than we actually wanted to because Beacon Hill was shutting down for renovations. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. How exciting. <laughs> so when you moved into your own premises, how many students did you have approximately? Do you remember? I would say about... 60 mm-hmm. and took the leak, leak so of faith that many yep and moved into your own premises yeah just one and studio that's or? Been a, two mm-hmm. um and we didn't need to so that's a bit of a pattern that is repeated in the last five years for monsters we tend to have more studios than we need and then grow into them and then add another and grow into them um studio yeah didn't run many classes at first but we just slowly had to work towards that yeah awesome so we just dropped out a little bit but you were saying okay. that you um grew into um your studios and that's a bit of a theme so you didn't quite need the two studios to start with and then you've done that again as well open more studios that you didn't quite need yet and have grown into them is that right yeah, yeah, that's right. So about a year after that, we uh, just hired a studio across the road from us as our third studio. And then about a year after that, um, the tenants below us, at the building that we were in, um, moved somewhere else. And then we added two more studios underneath our two up the top. So we now have four. That's incredible. <laughs> and are you filling all four now? Yes, this year. Yeah, yeah. Most of the time this year. So uh, we started twenty twenty one with four studios, um, and had a couple of them empty every now and again. But from the start of this year in twenty twenty two at three forty five, bang, they're all filled with kids. (laughs) Amazing. That is a huge, very fast growth in five years to go from community hall with absolutely zero students to one studio to two studios to four studios and 500 kids. That's been a huge, it must have been a bit of a roller coaster emotionally as well. Absolutely. (laughs) And not really something that I thought was going to happen. It just sort of continued to present them like the opportunities kept coming up and then we just would take them yeah yeah that's exciting taking the leap of faith so um monsters of dance is known as um quite a competitive studio um and has been for a long time um in Mm -hmm. you know the competition a sedford comp world um and you know that obviously means that you've been amazing at training your dancers you, uh, you know choreography all of that is incredible um but you obviously realized that you needed to take um a bit of a, a leap and you know invest in yourself and train in your business growth as well and so how yeah. have you been like balancing the business side compared to the creative the choreography the teacher side I guess yeah that's been um a really big part of the journey um so 
a couple of years ago when I started working with you guys and joined the joined Dance Principles United, I sort of realized and my eyes were opened to all the things that you can do to grow your business behind the scenes and not necessarily in the studio because I always knew that we had great classes and great teachers because we're like myself and my staff are all really passionate and committed Um, but that's what I realized is not enough really because if it's just sort of happening in these four walls um, and you're not getting the word out there then no one's going to know. Um, so there was like a fair few months where I was kind of scratching my head thinking like, why aren't there more kids in this class or why don't we have more preschoolers in that class? And because I knew that what we were offering was good, but they just weren't getting in the door. Um, so, yeah, I sort of started to realise that I couldn't saturate my whole week with teaching, mm. um, which was... Uh, tricky and like a hard decision and then you've got to put trust in other teachers Um, but I did that and have slowly done that I only teach 11 classes in the afternoon now and we've got about 100 so that's not many Um, and I don't regret it at all because it's really given me the time to learn all about business and and learn about my clients and what they need and marketing and Facebook ads um, and how to understand the numbers in my business and what they all mean um, because, yeah, it's all come full circle and just, yeah, given, given back a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, and side note to that, it's good for the kids to have different teachers and yeah. not just me as well. Yeah, for so, sure, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's such a hard thing because when we – most of us start dance studios because we love teaching, we love working with kids, we um, are creative people and we love being a choreographer and then going, actually, no, I need to focus on other things as well because otherwise I'm not going to fill these classes. If I'm not mm-hmm. you know, focusing on marketing, it doesn't matter how great a class you're running, you can't run an awesome secret. No one's going to no. know about your classes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's so so hard. So, you know, um, as we said before, you do have that kind of high level competition stream, but you um, now have become a booming recreational and preschool studio as yeah. well. So, how do you balance the two things um, together? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of studios do really great at one or the other, but they can't yeah. kind of get it together um, to do both. And you seem to be maintaining that balance really well. So, do you have some secrets or tips to share about that? Um, the, the most obvious one would be to share the love, mm-hmm. um, and share my time and share my thoughts with every program at my studio. Um, I, I feel like understanding parents and the different types of parents or clients that you have, um, and what they need and what they want from you as a dance studio um yeah so I like to create a lot of fun experiences and events for preschoolers and recreational dancers or non-competition dancers um because they want that too they just don't want um you know 
the non-dress rehearsal, the two dress rehearsals and the tech rehearsal as well. They But they still want to have that fun um, and that opportunity to see their kid on stage. Um, and I guess putting it out there on our socials that we have all three programs mm. and if anything, we we share more of our preschoolers and our non-competition classes because um, they are the type of clients that we are looking to attract and to build. And so back in the day when we had 80% competition kids and 20% non-competition kids, um, you know, on my socials, you would see a lot of competition kids because mm. that's who was in the room. And, you know, it's impressive to share that stuff. Um, but what really started that growth and getting that message out there that you can have, that you can come to Monsters, whether you have a lot of experience or not, was sharing it on social media yeah. um, and sharing the classes uh, with the kids who are having the best time, whether they're doing no turns or 10, like mm. it doesn't matter. Um, and then that's when those programs really started to build. Like I had to really lean into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's com- And that can be hard. That I like, you know, and that can be hard for a perfectionist, like most of us uh-huh. are perfectionists, yeah. you know, to put on our socials that, you know, this child's having a great time, but you know what? They, they can't do a pirouette yet. Mm-hmm. Um, did you find that like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm putting this out into the world? Did you struggle with that internally a bit? A little bit, yeah, and and more than that, just like my competition kids, because they work so hard. It to be like really honest, I didn't want them to feel like they weren't being um, celebrated. Mm. Um, so that's that was a hard one because I think they're amazing and I want to celebrate them, but yeah. I'm I'm just not really. I'm not really out here trying to attract a whole bunch of competition dancers um, the way that I want my business to grow and the way that I want it to work is to um, build from the bottom up mm. and train young kids when they walk in the door and then if they want to take that opportunity um, to be a competition dancer, then um, it's here for them. Yeah, that you, tra- you yeah. train them towards that rather than yeah. attracting, you know, already high-level dancers from other places. Yeah. And exactly. I think that's what sometimes we forget as um, business owners, that for our business social media, it's not for our friends to look at and mm. go, oh, isn't that cool? Look, they can teach their friend, their sorry, their student to do a, you know, 4,000 pirouettes or whatever it is. It's yeah. actually meant to be used as a marketing tool. And if you're trying to attract new people to dance, then you should be putting out new people to dance. That's the whole yeah. purpose of social media is as a marketing tool. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's a hard thing. Um, and how it do is you, a hard one. Mm-hmm. Um, finding staff, I know a lot of people struggle with that finding staff when they have both the um, elite and that recreational. Do your teach, teachers teach um, across the board or do you mm-hmm. have some staff that just teach one level um, or the other? Yeah, we have a little bit of both. Mm. We have um, a couple of teachers that teach both. That's me included and our head teacher, Miss Lace. We love both mm-hmm. um, equally. It's they're, they're both equally rewarding. Um, and let me tell you, if someone walks in the building, a teacher walks in the building and is good at both and likes both, 
my eyes just light up because <laughs> it is a little bit harder to find. Yep. Um, we have teachers that work only with um, our most competitive kids um, because that's their wheelhouse and it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have teachers that just do preschool yep. as well because that's what they love. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've got like two two or three that can do all yeah, of it. Yeah. Um, but it's also, I'd like more. <laughs> yeah. It's that hard thing, isn't it? Because you want to put people in their zone of genius and do what they mm-hmm. love doing as well. But I think yeah. it's so like if you're leading by example and you're mm-hmm. the one, my head teacher at our studio does both. She teaches like – high level elite stuff but she'll also teach a preschool class and she'll also teach a you know last night she had a you know year ele- I'm sorry a 11 and 12 year old um you know beginner ballet as well so teaching all the way across mm-hmm. is so so valuable as well because I think if you lead by example that makes such a difference yeah I absolutely do and I love getting in there with the, and they're hilarious and we have the best time and the best laughs and I get to know kids from every program of my school I think that's really important and something I never ever want to lose yeah um yeah getting to know all the kids from from all across the school yeah and yeah I just I just think if you want to teach the really great kids you've got to teach the ones that are up and coming yeah. as well that that's my view on it yeah. and like I learn so much from teaching the yeah. kids that don't get it straight away because mm. you need to understand why they didn't get it straight away and try to help them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. get the foundations for it as well. It's for sure. so, so important. So a lot of, um, you know, the high level, those successful comp studios, we mm-hmm. find that um, a lot of the studio owners, you know, they burn out because it is high pressure. There's a lot going on. You know, what are you doing to try and maintain that balance and that longevity um for yourself so that you don't reach that you know that point because we have seen that time and time again in our industry so what are you doing to make sure that doesn't happen okay (laughs) um I think (laughs) yeah that's a big question there's like a lot to that so um we spoke about it briefly before not doing all the teaching myself and um really celebrating our amazing teachers. Um, I see some studio owners um, doing so much of the teaching and taking on so much of the responsibility because it's their studio and it's their name. Um, And I think maybe sometimes they want it to be their name being put forward and that's cool. Um, But it, it you can burn out and I think that when you're putting all of that time in in the studio to every single class with every single student there's a lot of emotions that can get really caught up in that and um you know being a dance teacher is such a special job that I take really really seriously and I I real it's really important to me the impact that I have on every student that I teach and that walks in the doors But at the same time, um, in the end, you do have to understand that they are a student that is coming in to learn and eventually one day will exit the doors, um, whether it's at the end of their training or in the middle. Um, So I think that understanding 
that that's a part, all a part of it and that that's going to happen um, is something that like I've worked hard to accept. And to be honest, I think you have to continue to work oh, yeah. on the acceptance there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes I might feel really strong and, and like, you know, it wouldn't matter no matter what would happen. Like I wouldn't feel anything, but then other days I feel really fragile. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's just trying to stay true to my values um, for the studio and knowing that there are people that really value my values, our values here, mm. um, and that the right people will find you and the people that aren't right might leave and that's great as well. I think the emotion, like when it comes to the burnout, I think it's the emotional stuff for me that really pushes me to that point. Yes. Um, yeah, so trying to just put a little bit of separation between that and myself yeah. just to protect myself, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And we all struggle with that because we're all humans yeah. and have all of mm-hmm. that. We have good days, bad days, all of those yeah. things. And, yeah, sometimes it is about, yeah, um, trying to look at it with um, fresh eyes and looking at it yeah. differently. But I think, you know, you perfectly led into my next question, actually. You <laughs> must have been reading my mind because <laughs> – I think um, from the first time I met you, um, you've always had a really clear, strong vision of uh, what you wanted Monsters of Dance to be, what you wanted it to stand for. And it's so great seeing how comfortable you are now communicating that with your families, your staff and all of those things. Um, Was that something that was hard to do at first? And do you think that's like contributed to your growth? How do you, because I know you're like unashamedly like stand by those values. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. So our, our values, our little tagline is fierce dancers, happy humans, which is like what, what I want that to say is that like we work really hard and we love dancing and we're fierce when we're on stage and we're strong, but we're also happy humans and I think that it's important to always understand that um, dancing, while it can be right up the top of your priority list, for it to become above all else and like dance training and hard work and competitions and trophies and all that, if for that to become above all else, I don't think is healthy Mm. for kids and it's just not something that I could get behind and I just couldn't walk through life feeling good about myself and about what we're doing here if it was sort of that sort of cutthroat environment yes um try to always be understanding of kids and their situations um but it it was definitely harder at first um I guess to get that message across I found myself having to tell people all the time um you know at Monsters we we value really incredible hardworking classes but we also have classes for kids that just want to start dancing as well and I felt like I had to really drive home the values and I think that that makes sense because when you're at the start of your journey and you have a vision that vision doesn't necessarily exist yet Mm. so I would find myself having to say yeah you know like we work really hard but it's not a toxic environment or um, the kids look great on stage and and we rehearse our routines and I teach them properly to a point where they look really good. But 
we still have fun. Like I found myself having to say that a lot. And the most wonderful thing, and I feel like that really happened this year, is like people come into our studio and they tell me that now. So it's, yeah, I've got like shivers because Ah, that's like (laughs) my favourite thing. Mm. Like in the first week of the year this year, we had lots of new students coming to try it and they'd heard about not just how great our classes are and our teachers, but also the environment and the culture is really healthy and happy Mm. for kids. Um, Yeah, so hearing, yeah, I've gone from, trying to convince everyone of that because that was my vision to now people telling me that. So that's like pretty amazing, that's amazing. to think about. Congrats. That is so exciting. That is like chill Thanks. stuff when people walk in <laughs> stuff to you. Yeah. That is yeah. so, so good. And I suppose that goes back to what you were saying before about, you know, um, that burnout and, you know, getting – um, exhausted or anything like that from the emotional side of that competitive dance because if you're strong yeah. in your values and you know that these um, people are, you know, perhaps are no longer being happy dancers in your studio mm. or that, you know, um, something's contributing that no longer makes these happy humans, it's so much easier to, you know, um, be, you know, stay true to your values and do what you need Absolutely. to do for your business so that it stays how you want it to be. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And if there's a fierce dancer who's not a happy human here and that's okay, maybe they'll be happier somewhere else. Yeah. Maybe it's not <laughs> the right place for them and being okay to yeah. accept that is so, yeah. so lovely. And I'm sure um, now that all your staff, you know, it takes a little bit of time, but I'm sure your staff are all like completely embodying that feeling as well now. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. They, I don't need to um, explain that to them anymore. Mm. Um I mean, maybe sometimes and, you know, when newer students are coming in or younger, sorry, newer teachers um, and youngest teachers coming up from being students, um, I still like to talk about it. Um, But I know that if there's like a new um, student that's coming to the studio, I no longer have to give a step-by-step of how them and their parents should be spoken to and treated when they're in the class, Um, you know, they they don't just get chucked in a class in line mm. in the back line in the corner yeah. and expected to follow along, which is absolutely what used to happen here. Mm. Um, it, I think there was like a bit of an attitude uh, when I was younger, or because I went to schools that were quite competitive. Uh, you know, if you were joining in the middle of the term, that was your choice: jump in, give it a crack, like do your best. Yeah. But now my staff teachers and like reception they all understand that um when a child's first coming into the building they need to be introduced to the class and yeah given like a smooth transition and all those things yeah and even my higher level teachers um they know that it always comes back to happy humans as well yeah and that happy experience for the kids um yeah when it is and and what yeah. that looks like having a great first experience is so, so important. Yeah. Amazing. So you have grown super quickly, as we've said before, uh-huh. over five years. It's got to have been a massive crash course in business for you because I presume, did you have much business training or background before that or was it all just dance-based? All just dance-based, mm. completely dance-based. And, like, 
I don't know. I, I think I got a couple of hours on MYOB accounting software <laughs> with my with my partner's mum and then off that I went. That was <laughs> it. Amazing. So, you know, obviously you've had a lot of challenges along five years because that's what happens with really quick growth. What mm. are some of the trickiest things that you've had to navigate or learn? What have you found the biggest challenges? Yeah, I um, just having space in my brain for adult life mm-hmm. um, and my family and my friends has been a really big challenge, but one that I feel like I'm getting much, much better at. And that's due to um, a lot of different things, just like, I guess, being more confident as a business owner and studio owner to the point where I'm not constantly worried about something's going to go wrong yeah. or trying to prove myself. So that gives me room to, um, you know, think about when am I going to wash my hair? <laughs> <laughs> and do other things oh. and have some time off to get married this year as well. Yes, yes, yeah. getting married in three months. <laughs> um, yeah, and like cook dinner for my partner like sometimes, yeah. you know. <laughs> do normal things, um, yeah. Yeah, do normal things. That's probably been the biggest challenge along the way. Um, another challenge is just trying not to get caught up in comparing yourself to other businesses and where they are at in their journey um, and like the path that they're on could be super duper amazing but just not the same as yours yeah. and that's okay. Um, I find I work much better and create better things and my business is more successful and I'm happier when I'm not looking at other studios um you know it's good to draw inspiration but I sort of I guess I try to do that from studios like in America or um Mm. down the south coast (laughs) (laughs) rather than like in the next suburb sort of thing um so yeah definitely comparing and you know being patient and like wanting wanting everyone to know and see what you see um now but but they can't but like little did I know it was all happening yep slowly underneath me yeah Mm. so I guess yeah work-life balance which is a very cliche answer I know um it's not it's something that all studio owners (laughs) struggle with like I still struggle with it too you know I've had my studio for 23 years yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow, it would be really nice to eat dinner with my kids at least once this term. <laughs> like, because it, it gets yeah. crazy. That nighttime yeah. work gets crazy. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 So, work life balance, comparing myself to other people in similar situations and like just being patient yeah. would be my biggest challenges, I feel. But yes. I feel like it's true what they say, like about five years. I've mm. heard a few people say it's the first five years when you're, um starting a business like you you know you can't pay yourself and you work all week 24 7 and then after five years like it starts to slow down and I choose to be like yeah yeah sure sure um but I actually think that that's true yeah like I can just feel because the reputation is is building and it's there um and you've got a good team things do start to sort of taper out a bit which is great Mm, so so good so with all these new skills, you've obviously had to learn a whole heap of new business skills. Mm. What 
has been the biggest like new business skill that you've had to learn? Is it the marketing that you've like really been a big push in or is it the financial stuff? Is it the staff management? What has been like the biggest thing that's really helped you sort of navigate and like had a breakthrough? Maybe it's the hardest one for you. Maybe that's the question. What's been the hardest one for you to learn? One that I'm still working towards a lot is staff management. Yeah. Um, I, I've worked really hard on marketing and finances and I love it mm-hmm. now. I love it so much and they've both opened my eyes um, to so many different things. But staff management would be my hardest one because it's just not really in my personality to, um, and like this is just such a basic way to put it, but like boss people around mm. um, and tell people what to do. Um, it just doesn't really come naturally to me uh but I'm getting there I'm getting there and I think you know I try to remind myself that my staff know me and they know that I'm a fair person and that I care about them because I show them very much so so that if I say to them you know the bins are full (laughs) or or like I had to ask recently a beautiful staff member who I love just to like not be on their phone so much Mm. um and that was like a hard one yes because I just didn't really want to say it but I just really really had to yep <laughs> um like there was no way around it I had to say it mm. um so I guess yeah try and trying to um always remind myself that if something's obvious to me it's not obvious to someone else mm. um because I've I've seen that um something as obvious as creating a class plan to make sure that, you know, you're getting what you want done in your class in that 45 minutes. Um, like I, I love class plans and I, I'm so, like, I'm 10 times the teacher when I have a plan. And mm. so that's obvious to me, but it's not obvious to other people and that's no. okay. And you need to train um, them on it. Yeah, need to train them. Yeah, mm. staff training. <laughs> it's, it's a hard thing and I think so many um, studio owners and so many of us, we've all fallen into the trap that we're like, oh, you know, you said it doesn't come naturally to you, that staff management thing. And, like, that's so fine that it doesn't come naturally to, to you. Just like, you know, flexibility didn't come naturally to me. So what did I do on it? I worked on it. Same. (laughs) You know, I worked on it all the time. I took extra classes. I read books on it. I, Mm. you know, I took online, you know, I didn't take online classes. Let's be honest. There was no online classes when I was trying to. (laughs) But we, you know, that's what we would encourage our students to do, to do all the things and to train and to say, hey, it doesn't come naturally to you. That's okay. You'll get better Mm. at it if you work on it. No different to staff management or learning marketing or learning the finances. Mm -hmm. It's a skill that you have to learn. It's not just something that you can go, oh, look, it's probably good enough. That'll be it. Because we wouldn't expect our students to do that. No, that's Mm -mm. so true. I need to get a book or something. (laughs) You've got the skills. You've been learning so much about it. I know you have (laughs) been and been focusing on it. But, yeah, it is that thing. It's just a skill that we learn and all of those things are our skills and just like any dance technique you know we have to practice them we have to you know um you know try and elevate ourselves and learn things and attend classes and go to events and do all the things because how else are we going to get better yeah 100 percent. sure you've you've inspired me (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, you're doing that all the time, Miss Morgan. I know you are. Morgan is actually, she is downplaying herself. She is so invested in um, her growth and taking so many steps and always trying to learn all the things. I know you are. (laughs) Yes. Otherwise, we don't have that incredible growth. But thank you so much. It's been amazing hearing from you. And congratulations on hitting 500 students. I know that's been your goal for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, it feels like yeah. a long time, but two years is a pretty like, yeah. Yeah. And like, it feels like to me that it's been a long time, but I really only wrote that number down um, like a th- three quarters of the way through last year. Mm. Um, and, I, and, if, and then two years before that, if you asked me if I was ever even going to write that number down, I would have said no. Yep. Um, I, I, I want like a smaller studio, but then I just realised that that doesn't actually align with my values. Having a, an, an inclusive um, larger studio is what makes sense to the message that I want to put out there and the impact that I want to have. Yeah, so. for sure. And being able to impact yeah. more kids' lives and teach mm, more yeah. children and have more happy humans coming through your building is exactly 100%. what you want. And, you know, it's that thing, like especially if that's what you want to do is, um, you know, start them as, you know, perhaps once a week classes and grow them up. You need to have the numbers coming through so that you can then, yeah. you know, um, if they want to move into that competitive stream as well. Yeah. Amazing. Well, it's been so lovely. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. If you want to check out um, Morgan's studio, um, it's at Monsters of Dance on Instagram. Is that right? Yes. That's the one. But it has been so lovely chatting. Um, Definitely join us next week on the podcast. Thanks, Morgan, for coming on. Thank you, Amanda. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye.